This is the Lawyer Kings podcast, the best legal podcast, a podcast of two lawyers attempting to spread some knowledge, a little bit of education, some interesting legal stories, maybe a laugh and get down and dirty with the legal system. Because we're lawyers, there's no better way to start than to remind you that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing in the podcast should be considered legal advice, and we are not establishing an attorney-client relationship with any of our listeners or guests. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website at www.thelawyerkings.com. Please consult legal counsel in your jurisdiction to discuss specifics of your situation and to answer your questions. Now on to the good stuff. Hey there, this is Rachel King, and I am here on the Lawyer Kings podcast. Today we have a wonderful guest. We have Molly McGrath, and I was hoping that my dad, Pat King, would be back to join us to co-host. We recently moved the recording time to 3.30 p.m. on a Friday, and guys, I think my dad just likes to work because he seems to always be working on Friday afternoons. I don't know why. I think we need to get tell him that, you know, Fridays are nationally recognized as like half days so that he can come and record a podcast. So dad, when you listen to this, remember Fridays at 3.30, we're recording and we want you back. Uh, so again, today it is me. I am Rachel King. I am one of the hosts of the Lawyer Kings podcast. I am a lawyer. I'm licensed in California and Arizona. You all know this. I own King Law Firm Attorneys at Law Incorporated, and we do pretty much everything civil. Try and stay away from criminal law. Those are for all of the criminal attorneys. But I also have found that I really, really like title defects. So that's like my newest hobby is to, uh, I get paid for it. So I guess it's not really a hobby, but I, <laughs> I like to solve title issues, but if it's civil, you can call my law firm. Okay. So today we're taking a bit of a deviation from law with our guest, and we are going to talk business a little bit. Uh, so our guest, Molly McGrath, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me, Rachel. Um, so a little bit about, I'm going to go ahead and read what I have about your bio. If anything is wrong, just interrupt me and correct it. <laughs> um, so Molly, you are a national podcaster, a decade-long national blogger. You were into blogging maybe even before it was cool. A two-time Amazon number one best-selling author. We'll have to learn more about that. Since the late 90s, you've coached, consulted, and directed presidents and founders of national organizations and over 4,000 small business owners in executive-level leadership, continuous improvement, and team empowerment initiatives to infiltrate new markets, leveraging partner ecosystems, and producing profitability. You have 25 plus years of specific skill set experience in legal CMO marketing, factional CEO, conversion intelligence coaching, team development and empowerment, entrepreneur talent acquisition, Kaizen leadership. Is that how you pronounce that? Kaizen, yeah. Kaizen leadership, root cause analysis, revenue mapping, and action based project management. Wow, that is a mouthful. So <laughs> maybe you can break it down for us in um, what I like to call plain language, right? Yeah. I always try to talk in plain language because if I get into legal terms, everybody looks at me like they don't know what I'm saying. So what is it that you 
specialize in? Can you can you break it down for us very simply I before sure we dive can. into it? <laughs> I sure can. I uh, I'm I'm the founder of Hiring and Empowering Solutions, and um, for gosh, 26 years now, I have served as um, two sides of my business. Uh, recruiting and staffing, and I only work with law firms. Um, and uh, the other side of my business is consulting, either serving as a fractional CEO or CMO in that fashion. Okay, wonderful. So I think it's so awesome that you're here, actually, because literally, if you went through my text message history just this morning, I sent my sister who has uh, her master's degree in leadership, I sent her a text message and I said, I need some classes or something on leadership for managers because I have had quite a few businesses and also within my own firm that are asking for leadership development because it can get kind of out of control. I find with the businesses that I represent and the businesses that I own, whether it is a law firm or just a regular business, you get to a certain level of employees. And from a leadership standpoint, it can kind of implode and you feel, well, I don't know, I'll speak personally. I feel like sometimes I'm parenting all over again, right? And you spend quite a bit of time in the HR. It it can totally overtake you while you learn how to navigate personalities and leading and motivating and all of that. Whereas if there was just some simple tools on how to be an effective leader, it might bring a little bit more balance to your life. So I I think that's just so awesome that you're here today. Um, So tell me a little bit how you got started. Yeah, so um, I got started back in, I don't know, the late 90s and I moved from New York to Colorado. And back then you would go to the classifieds in the paper and apply for a job. And I applied for an organization called the National Network of Estate Planning Attorneys. And um, immediately from day one, I was hired as a project manager and I just fell in love with attorneys, especially estate planning and elder law attorneys. Uh, (laughs) You you fell in love with attorneys. You bless your heart. Yeah. (laughs) In particular, that area, you know, estate planning attorneys um, have full control of their calendar by and large. They're not dealing with opposing counsel, courts, et cetera. So they do have a tremendous amount of control, like I said, over their calendar. And they nickname themselves as hug planning. So, you know, some people say they're social workers with law degrees. They start with heart, they lead with heart. And I feel really, really blessed that that's the first area of law that I had any introduction to. Well, we brought in a coach and back in the late 90s, coaching was in a street term. And it was a very successful attorney involved in many different coaching programs out there uh, back in the 90s. And um, we brought it in-house to the National Network. And from there, to your point, I helped him start an attorney coaching program, but then the attorneys would come out and say, you know, they'd be at the bar or at the coffee break. Back then we were all over the country going to legal conferences and they would be saying, fix my employees. And that's actually, <laughs> that's actually the title of my book that's coming out in May. 
And um, oh, it, I love that. It, or they would say, you know, business would be great, but for the employees. I feel like I'm running a daycare. You'd hear all this statement. And so from there is when the birthing of my Team Empowerment Academy program. So the attorneys would be in one conference room in a breakout session, and I would take the team and work with them to become what I coined back then, entrepreneurs in an entrepreneur's world. And so since then, I've retitled my program um, and the name of the program, like your text to your sister, is that there's really no coaching for employees. There's no place for them to really understand what it means to have an entrepreneur's back. And I, so I started the employee leadership program. That's great. So what, how does it work? Like, what do people, what do you, what do you recommend? How do you, how do you work with law firms? What advice would you give to this? To, let's start with the attorneys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the attorneys, I would say, stop trying to become a better manager. You're an entrepreneur. If you were a better manager, you would have a middle management job. So that's not really your job. Your job is to focus on the top revenue producing activities, seeing clients, existing and prospective clients, podcasting, speaking engagements, working on uh, leveraging your business and free yourself up from trying to make yourself a better manager. Attorneys have told me for 25 plus years that we're not taught this stuff in law school, how to run a business, how to manage people, um, things of that nature. And you're, you've worked so hard for your law degree. So Focus on that, being an attorney, being an entrepreneur, and hire someone to manage a team. So you have a safe place to go to. And I'm not saying you have to invest, you know, seven figures in a CEO. That's what I'd like to do is taking somebody on your team who has the bones and the blood and the makeup of a leader and then really turning them into a C-suite level person without the title and having to pay them that. So I think that's so interesting when I, so I, my dad is an attorney, obviously. And when I, I was in the army before I finished law school and became an attorney. And when I graduated law school, I told everybody that I was going to open my own firm and they thought I was crazy. They said, you can't open your own firm without any, like without practicing as a lawyer, you need to go. And I said, no, I've already been told what to do enough. Like I'm not going to, there was nothing nothing that I, I, that enticed me about going and working at another law firm, even with some of the bigger checks and the paychecks. I said, I'm just going to go do it myself. And a lot of the, and I, so I, I started talking to attorneys that owned their own law firms. And one of the things that was common that they told me is, well, you are going, it's going to, it's going to be really hard. Like you need to have a client base. But the thing that I noticed and I think one of the reasons that I was successful doing it, because I did, I still opened my own firm right out of law school and I've kind of hit the ground running and I've been successful. I've been profitable since pretty much day one. And I did not start with any huge amount of money. I had like $1,800 in my bank account that I started my law firm with, was there is a difference between practicing law and owning a business, owning your law firm. And you got have to kind of be able to manage both. You have to treat your law firm as an attorney, as a business, and you can't really get bogged down. I mean, you have to practice law. That's what generates the income, but you, you've got to be able to step out of that too, exactly as you were saying, and go out and focus on the things that pay, focus on how you're going to be bringing in income, focus on the business part of it. Because if you don't focus on the business part of it, you're going to be drowning in practicing law and you're just not going to have that stream of, of 
you know, you're not going to feed the pipeline, as I like to say. And and that's interesting, I think, for lawyers. I think lawyers oftentimes have a difficult time with that because they don't teach you in law school. And they say, you got to practice, you got to practice, you got to practice, but you got to run a business, you got to run a business, you got to run a business if you're going to have a firm, you know? Yeah. And especially for attorneys, it's, it's the hardest thing. It's a lot easier now, but I'll tell you when I started out in the late nineties to let them give up control of the calendar, of the cash flow, of the people, of the process, of the production, it's beaten into attorneys' heads. What's the number one word that wakes you up at two o'clock in the morning in a pool of sweat? Malpractice. And so for them to really be able to give up control, and I don't even love that term, but it's a term that resonates with people, and really be able to have a non-attorney and or uh, um, employee running your business, it's, it's scary. It's very scary, especially when you own a law firm. Uh, because of the liability attached to that. I agree. I um, I have paralegals write letters for me, right? I think most attorneys that have paralegals, if you have a paralegal that's not writing for you, oh, you yeah. gotta, you're doing something wrong. Let your, let your paralegals write what they can. But I remember when I first had hired my first paralegal, she was writing for me and she gave me, I mean, it was a while. Every time she'd give me something, I redlined everything everything. And I like basically rewrote it and it was a waste of her time. And it was a waste of my time. And it took about, I don't know, I want to say like a month. And I, one day I was like, what am I doing? I'm changing this so that it's my writing, but we're both saying the exact same thing. She's just decided to put the comma here. It's still grammatically correct. She's decided to use a slightly different word choice. It's still perfectly professional and says what it is. It's just her writing style versus my writing style gets the same point across perfectly professional. The exact same thing is just not how I would write it. And I had to like have an inner talk with myself about how I needed to be okay with the letter coming across my desk and signing it after I review it to make sure it's okay and not saying, oh, but that's not how I would say it exactly. It's okay. It's it's getting the job done, right? Yeah, that that is a very common theme in regards to giving up some of writing letters. Oh boy, the attorneys that I work with when they're paralegals or their client service coordinator or whomever give up their take over their email or they're not allowed to have a phone extension anymore and they're really going through the process of being able to facilitate client calls and things of that nature it's a uh, yeah it's it's really difficult to get to give up that control until you do and right and this is what i hear from attorneys oh done that before it was a colossal disaster my last paralegal made so many mistakes and blah 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 i'm like okay time out what did you do to coach them up into your stylistic way, into your personal preferences, into your standards and how you want things? You know, like I kept redlining, I kept redlining to use your example. I'm like, well, did you pause and sit down, maybe record a video and say the stylistic and the ways that you do? Because you're never going to be able to scale and grow and you're working seven days a week right now. So you have to pick your battles, so to speak. So spend the time with the person and don't and let's just give them they're human beings first and foremost and what do human beings really truly at the root of their soul like and need and thrive on accountability feedback time 
and attention. If you give them that and you sit for 10 minutes and coach them versus communication ping pong with email slinging, you will get there. Oh, that is so true. And I, I feel like I need to do that probably more because it's easy to just send the emails, right? But it's hard sometimes to say, okay, I'm just going to sit down and do this. I'm just going to sit down and have the face-to-face and explain it. I think, I mean, it's taken me years to learn that, and I think we forget it sometimes, especially if it starts off in a, you know, a, a ping email ping pong, like you said, is that your employees really want to do what you want. Like they don't want to be in a work environment where they feel like they're not performing well. They don't want to tick off their boss or potentially lose their job or feel like they can't work there anymore or any of that. Right. And so the only time I think that they really get there is where they aren't getting the feedback. They just feel like they can't get it. So if you do take the time and say, look, this is what I want. This is what I expect. They're going to do it. I mean, I would, I've never met an employee that really wanted legitimately wanted the job that when you say just make the correction and show them how to do it didn't listen and do it you know yeah and Rachel to your point I love that example that you use because in this insane market as we sit here right now the unemployment rate in the legal space is 0.9 percent my recruiters are like ripping their hair out losing sleep trying to find associate attorneys paralegals legal assistants across the country And our phone is ringing off the hook every day saying, can you help me hire? Can you help me hire? And there's certain states that I say, I I can't get an associate attorney to move. And um, to your point, when I do talk to candidates and I get them, and my number one question is, tell me why you're leaving or why you're even considering to leave. And they will say, they'll all at 100% say, I'm, I'm looking for more opportunity. But then I peel away the layers of the onion to really figure out what opportunity for them. And we always think as this employers, the only thing employees want is what? Money. Well, that's very rarely the case. When I really break it down, what they want is exactly what you said, time, attention, and feedback. And when they get there from their firms, and they have the opportunity to sit down with the attorney and say, okay, great, have scheduled time every single week, having a weekly stakeholders meeting is what I call it, like a weekly team meeting. When people, that's all that human beings want. And first and foremost, you're hiring human beings versus human doings, first and foremost. It's your greatest superpower and your greatest retention tool. When you actually give your employees the grace of your time, the grace of your wisdom, because as entrepreneurs and attorneys that own their own business, you are an entrepreneur and a business owner first and foremost. It's sort of in our job description, in our duty to build a business, be able to employ people so they can have a better life, so we can help them to grow personally and professionally. And I think a lot of times as entrepreneurs, we forget that, that you know that we're exchanging money for a service. But at the end of the day, the way I think of it, and my coach teaches me a lot, is that you know the, the entrepreneur is going to save the world. And the entrepreneur for us, if we know that our job is to provide leadership and not management leadership inspiration and coaching first and foremost it just shifts your mind because all the times attorneys say 
I don't have time to X and fill in the blank, which is very true. But I, my, when I start doing an audit of their email communications and I start looking at how many times they're going back and forth to get the status update on X, Y, and Z and what have you, if they're using Teams or Slack channels, I'm like, if you just had a dedicated daily huddle for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, if you just had a weekly team meeting where you're going through the case review, you're going through the calendar, you're going through conversions, you're going through all that, always, always, I find an average of 10 hours that are saved on the attorney's time when they have standardized communication. I think that is probably very true. And I certainly... Um you know, much of this resonates with me because I feel like we can all do a better job. But I used to have uh, case meetings, right? I used to have huge, like, and I still do every now and then. We still probably once every quarter have a big firm case meeting where we all sit down and we go through all, you know, hundreds of cases and everybody hears everything that's going on. But I used to run my friend, actually, I'd like your feedback. Maybe if you want to tell me if this is right or wrong. Um, I stopped that because I, we used to do, I used to watch it regularly because it took way too much time. And so then when it took too much time, it would never happen, right? We'd be like, oh, we have to put it off. We have to put it off. We have this emergency. We have this thing. And so they would get delayed. And so then I switched to, look, I'm just going to meet with you um, for 15 minutes about your cases that you have questions on right now. Like, what is your questions? Let's run through them. What's going on? If I have questions about these cases, what's what's happening? And I do that kind of on a case-by-case basis with the people that are handling and working on the cases. And I feel like everybody is a little bit less stressed. The questions get answered. The clients are oftentimes happier because their case is getting moved along because we're all kind of on the same page. We're not going these huge amounts of time with, you know, not everybody knowing. And it doesn't, you know, the information can be passed because ultimately, while I want the secretary to know what's going on with all of the cases, we don't need to have a big firm meeting for that to happen. It can all be disseminated up in kind of smaller, more manageable increments. So, that's what I've done. Again, I still could do a better job. I'm probably going to leave this and podcast and go and revamp my entire system. But um, but I do. I, I, I couldn't do it in a big thing. I had to do it just per- a little bit smaller and more personal to, ha- to help my staff with what they needed at the time and just give them my time. I love that. And I think it's fantastic. To your point, it's exhausting to go through that quarterly meeting and everybody sitting there. And what I love about it, to your point, it's more personal. They feel like they're getting one-on-one time with you. You're only handling what the deadlines are, what's on case, where they're jammed up. Hopefully they're coming to you with proposed solutions versus constant problems. And at that time, you know, I, I love that model. And I do tell my attorneys that, great, you probably are hearing common themes as you meet with people. And so what I like for them to do is to just pull up a loom and record something and say, okay, guys, great. You know what? I heard this common question. I heard this question four different times. I just want to give you a real quick like training or what we might need to change or revise within our process or our system. Here's a recap of all the meetings that I did. Great job. Everyone's doing an awesome job. And here are the common themes that came out of my individual meetings. And it's so fantastic to sort of get that just real quick. And I, it's so much easier to record a loom than to write up a summary. You could get that done in five, 10 minutes and then shoot it off to the team. That is, I actually have never used recordings for that, but um, I can tell, I can tell that, I mean, I, I write emails and they take 
35, 40 minutes, and then you end up getting stuck with it. Did anybody read it? I, I don't know why. Please, did you read my yes. email? Go back and no. read my email, you know? And um, But I do want to go back kind of to the to something that you said earlier, because I, it's so basic, but I think sometimes we all need to be reminded. Can you explain the difference between leadership and management? Because I think they're so often confused and interchanged, and they're really totally different things. So can you speak to that for a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I've written blogs on it. I've recorded podcasts on that conversation as well. So, you know, when you hire right, by and large, if you have a solid rock star team, they do not need to be managed. Um, They really don't. They just need to be led. And what that means is that when you have systems and processes in place, whether it be through your CRM or what have you, um, manages really when we get stressed as attorneys. I heard the greatest definition during the pandemic of resentment, which is resentment is self-abandonment. That's all it is when you're feeling resentful because you can't get to the things you need to do because everybody's delegating back up. So when you're feeling management is where you feel like you're a babysitter, truly a babysitter where people are constantly coming to you with with problems versus proposed solutions, where you feel like you have to circle the office and check in on people versus having a framework for when people give you the daily update. They give you a snapshot. They give you a state of the union on where that you're at and they're consistently over communicating with you in in your in your crm and or in email fashion or however you like to get your daily updates so they're when they're you feel like you're managing when you're frustrated with your team when you're in i'm not saying generally everybody but when you're feeling more levels of frustration than flow and joy and consistency when you're feeling like you don't know where people are at with X, Y, and Z, where you're waking up at two o'clock in the morning with wonder and worry, that's when you know that you do not have leaders leading leaders and you're stuck in a management role. And then what do you recommend that leaders do, right? Or, or I guess you work with uh, law firms. So what do you recommend that lawyers kind of do? Or I guess, no, I want to, we'll take a different question. I wake up, and I can only speak for myself, but I wake up at two o'clock in the morning because I'm stressed about cases, right? But then I also wake up sometimes at two o'clock in the morning because I'm worried about uh, staff or, or HR issues or, what, or management or leadership issues. How can you help attorneys differentiate between this is really a case issue or this is um, coming from a management, a personnel issue, right? And I think that can be tricky because oftentimes you have other people within the office working on a case, and so it can cause stress. So how do you kind of uh, separate out when it's really a personnel management leadership issue versus just the normal everyday stresses of being in the legal industry and owning a business? And owning a business. Right. So I, you can tell when it's a management issue because you are waking up about um, the cases, where we're at with this case. Did we communicate with the clients? Every entrepreneur's fear, especially in a law firm, is when you get a call from a client and they're asking what's the update on my matter or my case. That means that we didn't do a good job of over communicating with the client and giving them that VIP service. So when you're waking up about employees, you're waking up about cases, you're waking up about clients, you're waking up about the calendar, that's when you know you have a management issue and it's time to stop 
and really get into a place of leadership. Because when you are an entrepreneur, there's always this there's always this low grade anxiety or high voltage, you know, your blood's always constantly running than the average bear faster than an employee or so, so to speak. But when your blood is boiling and, and you're feeling a little amped up because you don't have time to get to the creativity stuff, when you're waking up and you're thinking like, oh, I really wish we could get that book out or I really wish that we can start doing webinars to educate the public or I really wish I see somebody else, my competition down the street and they're crushing it. They're everywhere on Facebook. They're everywhere on LinkedIn and they're able. How in the world does he have time to constantly be on the radio shows and on TV when I can't even, I'm always owing the file. And so that's when you know you have a, you are in the difference of leadership. When you're wor wor working and you're thinking about how can we develop a maintenance program? How can we up level this? We need to update the website. I want to start working on Facebook ads. I want to get that book out. I want to, that's when you know that you don't have management problems. Your management is all held. You have leaders leading leaders. And those are just very typical entrepreneurial um, creativity worries that. And so it's about what are you worried about and what are you thinking about? What's taking up your energy? And if it's the people, process, clients, calendar, that's when you know you have to do a timeout and then get the structure and the standards in place. And attorneys fight me on this every day, all day. I don't have time to have a weekly team meeting. I don't have time to do employee growth plans and have a quarterly review. And now more than ever, in this market, it's a retention tool. I'm a recruiter. Recruiters are, it is shark infested waters. We're doing everything that basically versus standing by somebody's car in the parking lot when they're coming out of the law firm. My messages that I send out to attorneys and paralegals, the title of it is, are you happy and are you being treated well? And that's the subject line of it. And it makes me so happy when attorneys will say, nope, I won't even talk to a recruiter. I love where I work. I will go as far as find the law firm and send the, the managing attorney an email and say, whatever you're doing, keep doing it and 10 exit because your people won't even talk to recruiters and they absolutely love it there. Oh, and I think that's so nice of you to do because... Um because sometimes it is nice to have that feedback, right? Of yes. doing everything right. Um, so you, I mean, clearly there's lots that can always be done, but some uh, much of what we've talked about has been based on uh, firms that are kind of in place, right? That have assist or have employees, have maybe associate attorneys, have a staff. But for but I think especially now we're really in a time where more and more, and I did it too, more and more attorneys out of law school are just going to hang their own shingle, right? Or it's happening sooner and sooner because it's hard to get the big jobs. Also, I don't know who in the world wants to work 80 hours a week and have to bill 60 or whatever the crazy big firms are, right? You can't even pay me enough money to make me want to do something like that. But, and it, and it really does sound nice to be able to go work for yourself and hang your own shingle. So I think we are in an, an era, if you will, where more and more attorneys are just doing it on their own and they don't necessarily have a big staff. They're starting on their own. But what would you recommend to them that they do right at the beginning as they form their own firm, 
at before they've hired their first secretary, but as they start to grow so that they can get in the right mindset and not face the problems that ultimately put you in business, right? <laughs> Keep you in business, but so that they're already there and they have the structure. I would say first and foremost to hire a business coach, a legal business coach, somebody who has worked in the, uh, that should be your very first investment that you have to support you with getting your strategic plan together and really holding you accountable. Because when you're by yourself as a solo, and you have nobody over your shoulder holding you accountable to your dreams, sometimes in spite of yourself, then you'll let yourself off the hook. We do as human beings. And I, when you can hire someone and make that investment in that and meeting with them regularly and setting deadlines, et cetera, and one small step at a time is how you would do it. The second thing I would say in whatever area of law that you're in, Find a legal organization that will provide the software, the systems, the process, the framework that you have, because it's easier edit than create, and it will support you with really getting the best practice approach. In addition to many of those organizations will have listservs. They will have a community that is so connected and have abundant mindset. I've, I've owned three different legal organizations and sold them. I'm involved in many, my, my referrals come from other legal organizations that have coaching and systems and process and things of that nature. And it is night and day with the attorneys that's do join and invest in themselves personally and professionally um, and, and surround themselves with community and find their tribe than those that are a rugged individualist and trying to do it on their own and struggling. I, I agree. So what do you think about work-life balance? Because I also, I know that's not really uh, the same thing as being able to have a, a well-run law firm, but I Man, I struggled with it a lot. In fact, two and a half years ago, I looked at my husband and I said, I don't want to practice. I think I have five more years of practicing law in me. And he said, what? That would mean you've only practiced, you know, you, 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 you'll you be giving up before you're like 15, 10 or 15 years or whatever it was. And I was like, I guess 10, it would be like 12 years or something. And I said, I don't, I don't think I can do it. Like, I'm tired. I'm so exhausted. And um, and obviously that wasn't going to work because <laughs> I was too, I'm too young. Um, so I really had to focus and I had to make a huge shift on work-life balance and really figuring it out. I'm very happy that I was able to, and I'm really happy that I much like taking the time to talk to my staff, which if they listen to this, they'll probably laugh and say, Oh, Rachel, you don't talk to us nearly as much as you should. Um, but but I think work-life balance is really, really important, especially in the legal field. So what do you recommend or do you, do you talk about that when you're working with attorneys? How do you find that to be important in their success? How do you think that work-life balance plays in and being able to have something outside of your firm? Yeah, you, you nailed it right there with setting up a framework. I call it work-life integration. It's difficult to ever have that balance or to have, you know, where it's e equal, so to speak. It just it doesn't happen. Even if you're taking time off, you're still thinking about work. But the goal is that you're thinking, you're dreaming about your future vision or what have you. And to your point, when you 
I, I always tell my attorneys, myself included, any business owner, you can set your watch to at least once within 90 days that you are going to have an absolute breakdown. And you're like, I can't do this. I'm going to go get a job or I, you know, I'm going to go open up a hot dog stand. I'm so stressed out. I'm exhausted. What have you. You can set your clock to it. But I always say allow this space for the breakdown because behind every breakdown is a breakthrough and just get really clear on what it is that you're tolerating and what you're carrying and what you're stressed out at. And there's always a solution. My coach always says the answer's in the room. The answer is always in the room. And what that means is to your point, you get vulnerable, you get real with your team and you share with them what's working, what's not working within the practice, within your calendar, within your schedule and share it with them because the team is silently waiting to take on more work. I don't know whoever started this said employees don't like to work anymore. Millennials don't. That's not my experience. They just aren't provided the space to speak up. And um, because everybody's so busy and going 100 miles an hour. So when you invest in a coach and you have um, an organization that you belong to, set up your time template. Don't get into the bad habits of working and worrying all the time. Now, if you're already there, then just get really clear and write down if if I could have you know out of the office by six o'clock every night I'd be delighted if I can take my attorneys that I work with I make them take Fridays off no client meetings on Fridays and it's the hardest thing to get them to do that but once they get comfortable with it it really is their greatest joy they can work on creativity they can do whatever and it allows for that and then sit down and have a conversation with your family i just interviewed my uh, almost 20 year old on my podcast a couple weeks ago and you know talked about what it's like to grow up in a family of entrepreneurs and his insight was phenomenal that he gave to both the kids as well as to the business owners and and then just be really clear on what the rules are like you know what guys i tuesday nights we don't have sports or what have you so tuesday nights are going to be my late night i'm going to work from you know eight to eight i'm not going to come home dad's going to put you to bed and have dinner but that's the day so i can be present on the weekends so figure out a framework of what works for you of working late you know for me it's monday and tuesdays and so i'm really clear that i have to it's this it's like this uh I, I always say this, you know, the day before you go on vacation, yeah. how much work you get done. Yeah. <laughs> and then you sit on the plane and you're like, man, I'm a rock star. Why can't I do that all, all the time? time. <laughs> it's like the preparing for vacation, right? Yes. So it's like, go with that mentality. Like you, you have to set the clock. I tell, okay, how long do you think it's going to take you to review that file? How long do you think it'll take you to draft this? Get your priorities of what you do, figure out how much time, and then truly, truly, truly set the timer and race the clock, beat the clock and work with it that way to hold yourself accountable. And I have some um, attorneys that are highly creative. They're off the chart quick starts. Every It's so funny, all the time attorneys will call me. I have, I have to tell you something. I have ADD or ADHD. I'm like, you do not, you're an entrepreneur. Like, no. <laughs> you, you, 
I'm like, you just need someone to babysit you. So I have some attorneys that truly, they will sit with their paralegal at the conference table and they'll both work together. No cell phones in the room, no distractions. We got our pizza, we got coffee, we got water, we have everything we need. And then we'll hold each other accountable and have like massive productivity sprints. That's awesome. I, um, I, 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 when I was working on, you know, what I call my work-life balance, I started, well, it was started, I mean, COVID happened very quickly after that. So I had nothing, I couldn't go into work. work. We all worked remotely, which was wonderful, but I, I was like running all the time. So then we went back to work and now my office, I think it's so cute. I, I told them, I said, you need to, like, I'm going to go running. I just kind of said it. Like, don't schedule me before 8.30, I'm going running. Don't schedule me before 8.30, I'm going running. And so now they will tell me, they'll be like, so you seem a little stressed out. We went ahead and scheduled running on your calendar for tomorrow. And I'm like, oh, great. Thank you. So clearly I was not being very pleasant in the office, but you figured out how to handle it, right? Or, um, and then, you know, exactly kind of what you said with employees. I really think, I love my office. I think they're great. This was a couple years ago or a year and a half ago was the first time that I truly felt like I could step away and I didn't need to sit in the office and my office ran beautifully without me having to be there all the time. And I considered it going from being self-employed to running a company for the first time. I had all of these people, everybody worked. It was just so, so wonderful. It was beautiful to watch everybody work together. Um, But when you give them, when I, every time I ask them to do more thing to do something else, I, I truly do feel guilty, right? I'm not going to, I feel guilty asking my amazing staff to do more because I feel like they work so hard, but they always do. And they never, they never get upset. They never huff and puff or moan or so they, they step up to the plate because they really do feel like the success of the firm is they're they're part of the team, right? And they all kind of recognize that I can't do it without them. They can't do it without me. And we're all kind of in it together. And then at the same time, I think the communicating with them is also helpful. I had it um, a couple of weeks ago, actually, because I had I was having maybe, maybe I should calendar my breakdowns. I I was sitting on my couch on a Sunday evening and I looked at my calendar for Monday oh. and there was, and there was not one day that I had a run. I couldn't run the entire week and I kind of lost it. I was like, why am I even doing this? Like I can't run. Everybody in the office knows that I need to run for like my own sanity and for probably for their sanity. And they've, I've been overscheduled and I'm, I've got five case hearings a day every single week and nobody else has anything on the calendar. Like how did, how am I working harder than everybody else in the office? That was the thought that went through my head during this entire kind of meltdown. And I reached out to my lead senior paralegal, who is like my right hand person. And I said, I don't, I don't know what happened. How did this happen? And she said, all you need to do is send an email saying when you want to work and everybody will make it happen. And I said, no, that's not going to work. And she said, yes, it is, Rachel. Just send an email. Nobody wants to schedule you when you don't want to work. I think they just got confused because of there was something else that happened. And so I sent the email and I said, guys, I can't, I can't do this. Like I need whatever. And you know, Molly, sure enough, they, by like Monday at 9.30 a.m., my whole week's calendar had been revamped and they gave me the time that I needed and it was beautiful. And it really does, I think, 
help to communicate, but it can be really scary to communicate with them. I think as a, an entrepreneur and as a boss, I really struggle with, are they going to leave? Are they happy? Am I going to offend them? Are they going to get a better offer? Like, what do I need to do to, I really rely on them, but I also want to hold them to the standard. And I don't, you know, I, I have insecurities as a boss that I think other, you know, entrepreneurs have, and it can, I don't know, as an employer, I think it can be really difficult. Yeah, it is. And to your point, like I have, and I do the same thing. I hot yoga and I go through with my team. These are when I want to go to 930 class on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Other classes, I go at 530 in the morning. And so it's in my calendar. And I'm the biggest violator of that sometimes. My executive assistant goes through my calendar every day. And if she will see that I put something on there that I agree to, she will pick up the phone and call the person and reschedule it. Because to your point, you can, at some point, again, you're going to resent it like you did when you opened up your calendar, but it does bleed in through when you walk into that hearing, you're not present, you're edgy, and it bleeds in through your, it's so important. You have to put yourself, I think Stephen Covey talks about the big rocks and you have to put that in first and foremost because your team, everybody in your world, including yourself, knows that striking difference between when you go run and Tony Robbins calls it emotions in motion. Like when you, you have to get that out of your body and you have to get clear on that. And then when you come back, you're okay if your book's solid all day, but that's one thing that's a non-negotiable because it does transcend and it impacts everything. It really does. And I, I mean, there are days where things have gone completely wrong and I'll say, so I got to go for a run and I'll be so pissed when I start my run, like wanting to fire everybody, wanting to throw in my attorney towel, yeah. wanting to just, oh, I'm in a net. And then by the end, I'm like, okay, so there's the solution. It's fine. <laughs> like, it's no big deal. I'm just going to decompress. But I think it can be really hard. I think everybody should yes. pause. Even you've heard the, I'm sure you've heard, write the email, but don't send it. Like, wait till the next day to send it. I think the same can be true of all of the the law firm issues that we face, whether that's with clients or with personnel is take a deep breath, just wait, it will be okay. They, you know, and, uh, yeah, my biggest rule in my law firm is if you make a mistake, tell me as soon as you find out about it, don't ever let me find out about a mistake. I should never find out about a mistake on my own. Right. Um, (laughs) I love uh, that. Yeah. So what, um, what are you up to? I I know you said that you have a podcast and you have a book coming out and you coach and you recruit. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what is going on in the life of Molly McGrath right now? Yeah. So I'm writing a book right now. So it'll be out in May called uh, the working title is fix my employees. That's a number one request I get when I have uh, um, get calls from attorneys. I love podcasting. I need to bring you on my podcast. You're phenomenal. That'd and be fun. Yeah, absolutely. I drop it every Tuesday. Started it about three years ago, and I love it. I've recorded uh, over 160 episodes, so it's super fun. 
And, um, and I just love helping employees. I really do. And attorneys and getting them on the same playing field, because in my experience, they want the same thing. So my favorite thing in the world to do is my employee leadership program and really supporting them with having their attorneys back, supporting them with one of the things I do, um, when I hire, uh, when a law firm hires a new employee, I actually have the employee go and shadow the attorney for an entire week, five days. That's all they do is just walk around with the attorney to every client meeting, to every what have you. And on Friday when we debrief, the employee is literally in tears. They're like, there was one day they didn't even have a cup of water. They didn't even have a morsel of food. Like how this is not acceptable for my attorney to be like just running like this. We have to fix this. And they have such an appreciation. They see that, you know, they're in client meetings that everywhere they turn, people are handing their bag of problems to them for them to fix and solve. And so they have such an appreciation for the world of an attorney, which is very, very different than any other profession because you are consistently on stage and you are consistently having to be in solution mode and issue spotting and consistently everywhere you turn, somebody is turning and looking to you for the answers for everything. And then guess what? You get to go home and there's your family standing at the door delegating back up to you and asking you for the answers and what have you. So I love that when they can um, just see the appreciation for it is a is a game changer. I think that so uh, everything you say like totally resonates because I'm like, oh my God, that totally happened to me. I remember like four years ago, I had to go to one of my staff members and they're no longer with me, but I had to say, so I have to to pee sometimes (laughs) and I need to eat sometimes and I can't be two places at once. So when you schedule me, I need you to consider that because you've just made it my like impossible. And if that person had shadowed me, maybe they would have had some insight as to what they were doing to to me. Cause I was like, I, there were days where it was like, I haven't been able to use the bathroom. I like can't drink water because I don't have time to go to pee. It's (laughs) It's just a mess. Um, that's awesome that you do that. I like that. I think, I don't know how it works with COVID now that many things are remote. I feel like sometimes my, if an employee did that, they'd be sitting on the couch next to me quite a bit as we do remote hearings, but (laughs) yeah, I think it's, it's great. Yeah. Um, how are you coaching law firms to deal with kind of that transition as or are you seeing that law firms are staying with the hybrid work environment with remote working or are you seeing that law firms are going to go back or stay primarily with in-person how is that working with your coaching yeah i when the pandemic hit i i think i was working 18 hours a day there were law firms that had never even been in a zoom room ever They've never had a virtual or an independent contractor or a 1099 employee. I actually had quite a few firms that just said, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to go sit home until this thing completely blows over. Well, they're, they're no longer in business. And so I'm the legal space out of, and there's many articles on this at the ABA and everywhere else, is that they're the most resistant to this new virtual. It's never going back to some, some people are in the office. Some people really never left the office. They were considered essential. But as you grow and scale your business, 
and you have to employ people to help you, the model of a brick and mortar has changed. And so depending on where people are at, what area of law they're in, where they're physically located, there really has to be an open mind to the possibility of a hybrid model. There has to be an open mind in regards to having virtual employees in different departments, having 1099 contract um, employees. There's a national shortage in paralegals and um, right now. And many of them, just like the description that you used with um, associate attorneys hanging their own shingle, it's even worse in the paralegal space. They all realize, you know, the short, when they got virtual, they're like, I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna start my own business and I'm just gonna do contract paralegal work and work for three or five different attorneys. And it's, it's, it's amazing, but you know, they jacked their rates up and now there's a massive shortage. So I do coach people through that. There's certain positions that are difficult to place. Um, right now, family law is, there's a massive shortage for paralegals and associate attorneys. Um, and I don't say this to breathe fear in the room, but you have to get creative and consider other possibilities and at least try them on if you you know want to grow if you want to be able to sustain if you want to be able to maintain because the the business world and the framework of of employees in offices is never going back to to quote unquote normal i don't ever want it to every time they bring up opening courts up and shutting down the telephonic hearings, I vehemently oppose it and say, why in the world are we doing that when it's continued and all that? And um, I actually was all remote, not all remote, sorry. I was all cloud right before the pandemic, just because that was how I wanted to operate. We still had everything paper as well. We were kind of doing it too, which was a lot of extra work. So the pandemic made us completely get rid of all of our paper. And I have right before the pandemic too, I had a paralegal who moved to Kentucky and I said, I'll keep you on. Oh, um, great. And, and so it kind of worked out because I was like, well, now everybody's doing it. And, and the funny thing is I had two attorneys that said, oh, you, that's never going to work to have a, a paralegal in Kentucky. And I said, I think it will. I think she will work. Right. And then now everybody's like, oh, my paralegal moved to this day. My paralegal yes. moved to this day. And I'm like, oh, and it works. Huh? It does. It works. You, just have, you have to, again, it's all about having communication, have, being on the same page. I, you know, if, if you have somebody that's not going to work, then they're not going to work when they're at home. But that probably shouldn't, they shouldn't be working for you anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I'm a big fan of the virtual learning or the virtual workspace. My dad, who I wish ha- was here, is not like he, he went into the office every day on the pandemic. Right. And I'm like, and he was funny because through the pandemic, he was like, you're always traveling. Like you're, are you, do you work ever? And I'm like, I've been working this whole pandemic. I just don't need to work. Now I have a, nobody cares that I'm not in the office. Right. I can have hearings and meet with clients and nobody's upset because they don't want to come in to meet me. So I'm, I'm loving it. And I hope that it stays. And I think it's, wonderful. My employees all get to work from home partly. And I think it's so awesome that you have a, you know, you help uh, law firms move through that because the legal field is so slow to change. And um, they really do need this. I feel like the pandemic was an opportunity to catapult it kind of into not even the future, just into the current, (laughs) current time. So 
That's wonderful. I would like, I, I so appreciate you coming on and I would love to know just in close, I'd love you to promote all, everything you have because you're into so many things and that's great. And then I'd also love for you to just tell everybody how you think they can best show their appreciation in this very difficult job market. Um, if you have good staff, what do you think that they can do to really show employee appreciation? And and on the flip side, what can employees do to really show the gratitude? Because I think that also sometimes gets overlooked, um, just to show their employer that they're really grateful to uh, work at the, the job environment that they've got. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite saying is, so go the leader, so go the so go the coach, so go the coaches. So to your point, a lot of times when employees are not showing appreciation and gratitude, it's probably because that's not something that is really, there's a standardization in the firm for that. Maybe we don't have time to sit down. Not that you're not grateful for your employees, but you're going, 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 going. So the people will match your energy. People will match your behavior. So if you're somebody who doesn't really need a lot of appreciation, doesn't give a lot of appreciations, one of my favorite assessments is the love languages in the workplace to figure out what people need. And um, so I, the easiest way to keep your employees is to, as I said before, give them time, attention, and feedback consistently. And you can do that by systematizing it in your calendar, just like you do with your run and having your employees on an employee growth plan. And um, I'd be happy to give my process to any of your listeners that want it. But when you meet with them every, every quarter and you really sit down, my process is that the employee does a self-evaluation first. And then they also do an evaluation of where, you know, where do you, if you had a magic wand and you ran this firm, what changes would you make? You know, you really get deeply curious and you want their insight, you want their feedback. And then the employer does an evaluation, then you come together and it's treated like a coaching session. And it's a growth plan and it will transform. Your employees won't ever, ever leave. If you invest in coaching for your employees, give them some programs that they're working on to support them with their mindset, with supporting the attorney and things of that nature, they won't leave at all. Many of the firms during the pandemic invested heavily, and I don't mean dollar amounts, but they invested in, in growing their employees up and to invest, and then they became better leaders. They became better employees, and they won't leave you. It's things like that. It's not always about money, but no, I we, we do, um, and it's not about you know doing team retreats and going bowling and what have you. They want to know what True North is. They want to be connected to the heartbeat of the business. They want to get time and attention. They want to understand what they can do to create value and to support the client because guess what the employees wake up at two o'clock in the morning as well about the clients about the files about all that too and that's when you know you have a rock star employee so it's so simplistic what i would say to attorneys because i've never heard it in any other profession more than in the legal spaces i don't have time and maybe eradicate that from your language and creating the time because you do have the time you're just spending it very unintentionally and typically when there's a problem and you're very heated and frustrated during that time that you're spending so invest in your employees and they want your time they want your attention and they want your presence um, more than that will be the greatest retention tool that you could ever have uh while i was 
I, I had surgery last year and while I was out, my associate attorney kind of ran the office and he, he's great. And when I came back, I walked in one day, I hadn't completely come, come back. I just was like coming in to check in and they were all sitting around in the main front and there was like a box of pizza. And I said, what are you, like, wow, like, what are you guys doing? I wasn't upset. I was just, like, curious, right? And they said, oh, we implemented family lunches. You're welcome to join anytime you want. And I was like, family lunches? And they're like, yeah, we all just order, and we come and we sit down family style for lunch. And I was like, that is so cool. And they do Uh. it, I would say, like, almost every single day, my entire office eats lunch together. And that made me, like ridiculously oh. happy. I, I made oh, me proud yes. like like a mom is proud of her kids, right? I yes. was like, oh, I love that everybody gets along and they've done this and that they yes. want to spend time together. It's Good a proud job. moment for me. <laughs> I don't know whose idea it was. It was not my idea, but I was happy. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> but I just want to say that you created the culture and the framework for your employees to take the reins and do that. That so you've done something right of when you came in and they just did it without asking you and worried if you're going to be mad and all this other stuff. So you you did something right with creating your culture and setting it up for. Them. Well, that, thank you. Thank you. I try, I try and do it, but you never know. Um, so where can everybody follow you? Where can they find you? Where will your book be available, your podcast, all of that fun stuff? Yeah, the easiest ways go to our website, hiringandempowering.com. You can see there's a podcast tab there. You can subscribe to whatever channel works for you that you'd like and uh, join our blog. We send a blog out every Thursday with chock full of valuable tips and techniques for the employee as well as a attorney. So if you are a lawyer or you're going to be a lawyer, then definitely reach out to Molly. Molly, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I personally learned so much. You validated some of the things that I <laughs> knew, which is always nice. And um, I'm excited to look into your podcast and to Um, implement some of the things we talked about. I'm going to go and set up and make sure that every single one of my staff members knows that they have a dedicated time instead of maybe this sporadic, we don't know when we're meeting. I do meet with them, (laughs) but I'm going to make sure they have a fixed time (laughs) um, every week. So thank you so much, Molly. Thank you. um, I look forward to uh, talking to you soon. I hope we can stay in touch. And with that, we have Molly McGrath. It was so wonderful again to have you. I just, I just think it's awesome. And I learned so much and dad, I can't wait to talk to you all about it. Um, I will definitely be heading over to hiringandempowering.com. And I think after this, I'm going to go off to set up some time to make sure that each one of my people, all of our people at King Law Firm (laughs) has a dedicated time to talk to me. I also think that I'm going to implement this self-assessment, and then things that they would change if they ran the firm. I don't know if I can do it quarterly. Maybe we'll do it bi-annually, right? We all have to have goals. (laughs) Quarterly sounds like a lot of work. I'm going to get rid of the I don't have time, but it sounds like a lot of work. So we'll implement these things slowly. Of course, as always, this is Rachel King with the Lawyer Kings podcast. I hope that you enjoyed our special guest, Molly, today. Please like us, follow us, subscribe. We can be found at thelawyerkings.com on all of the socials. Or maybe not all of them. I don't know. I feel like they come out with socials faster than I can keep track, especially the older I get. So follow us on the socials at the Lawyer Kings. And of course, you can find me personally personally 
at the Lawyer King on the socials or thelawyerking.com. I am Rachel King with King Law Firm, Attorneys at Law Incorporated in California. And then, oh, my dad is not here, but Patrick King, he's licensed in Nevada. You all know that. And you can find him at kingandrusolaw.com. Until next time, cheers. This podcast is hosted by Rachel King and Patrick King and produced by Grace Walker. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast on your favorite podcast apps and sign up for our newsletter, notifications of newly released episodes, and visit our website at thelawyerkings.com. As always, we have legal disclaimers. Nothing in this episode should be considered legal advice and no attorney-client relationship is established through this podcast. All the information provided in this podcast is provided for general information purposes only and may not reflect the current laws in your jurisdiction. Rachel King is licensed to practice law in California and Arizona. And Patrick King is licensed to practice law in Nevada. Nothing in this podcast should be considered legal advice or the practice of law in any jurisdiction. By listening to our episode, you understand that there is no attorney-client relationship between you and the Lawyer Kings or Rachel King or Patrick King and the podcast publisher or any law firm that Rachel King or Patrick King are affiliated with. None of the information in included in this episode should be construed as legal advice by Rachel King or King Law Firm Attorneys at Law Incorporated or any of the firms associated with Rachel King or King Law Firm Attorneys at Law Incorporated or Patrick King or King and Russo LTD or any of the firms associated with Patrick King or King and Russo LTD or any of the guests appearing on this podcast. None of the information included in this podcast is to be considered a substitute for legal advice, legal counsel, or subject matter. No listener from this episode should act or refrain from acting on the basis of any of the information included or accessible through this episode without seeking appropriate legal counsel or other professional advice of the particular facts and circumstances at issue from a lawyer like in the recipient state, country, or other appropriate licensing jurisdictions.